What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Self Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And this episode is required listening, you guys. It's yes. so important. <laughs> so this episode is all about investing. We have an incredible guest, Delianne, the money coach. So she's a personal finance influencer, nationally recognized money expert, podcast host, and she was previously an attorney. She's now a self-made millionaire. And her content focuses on teaching everyday investors how to master the stock market. And so we talk about that, but we also just talk about like money 101. And I'm telling you, if you have felt like you didn't really get a, any sort of formal education or informal education in money and how to save it, how to spend it, how to grow money over time, just know that you are not alone. And I ask yeah. all of the uh, stupid questions, I guess you could say. I ask any question that's like, hey, maybe maybe some of you already know this, maybe some of you don't. And um, if you're like me, I just am really coming into a lot of this knowledge later in life. And she does such a good job of breaking it all down in a very easy to understand way. So um, I just... I can't emphasize enough how important I think uh, this episode is. And I hope you guys benefit from it as much as we just did. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, it's coming out on November 21st. Uh, we hope you guys have an awesome Thanksgiving. And my tour for this year, the tour dates have wrapped up, but next year is like full swing. Um, Providence, Raleigh, Philadelphia, Portland, Cincinnati, Minneapolis, Denver, uh, Chicago, 
so many coming up. So go to KelseyCook.com, get those tickets. I love meeting you guys on the road. So check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And if you are a business owner, entrepreneur, I have a podcast called The Minimalist Business Podcast. You can get it at DelaneyFisher.com. It's a private show, but it is completely free. And speaking of money, we talk about money all the time over there. Just really about to like how to increase your profit margins as a business owner, how to reclaim your time, all that good stuff. So I thoroughly enjoy this episode so so much and very very important um so yeah check it out if you want to delaneyfisher.com awesome all right enjoy our interview with delian the money coach delian thank you so much for being here today so excited about this topic <laughs> i listen this is my favorite thing to talk about anybody invites me to talk about money i'm there yes <laughs> amazing so, so juicy um, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about your background, how you got into this type of work and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, I'm as surprised as anyone else because I am Brazilian, grew up in Miami, went to law school. If you would have told me three years ago that I would be a million, a money coach to like millions of people, um, somebody who literally went to law school to avoid math, uh, <laughs> I would have been like, no, <laughs> I don't know, but it just goes to show that life is, you know, full of surprises. And I went down my own journey with money and I had a lot of hangups about it. And I finally decided to face something that was really scary to me, which is investing. And I realized that if I didn't know this stuff, then a lot of other people probably didn't know either. And I just started sharing my own personal journey on Instagram as, (laughs) as one does, And before you know it, you're getting so many questions. Well, I didn't know this. Oh my gosh, can you share more? And you start seeing that there's like a real hunger for it. Um, And I really, you know, I had a knack for it. I love public speaking. I love connecting with people. I became an attorney to help people. I was an an employment attorney for 14 years. And this was just a very natural transition for me. Um, It also helped that we, I had, I was like, you know, everybody was housebound in 2020 and 2021 because of the pandemic. So I just poured all of my energy and attention into my business and it blew up into what it be- became today, which is a multi seven figure business. And, um, you know, with over 5,000 students in my slate of stock market course. So it's just been a ton of work, but a huge blessing and a, a real adventure, you know, and it allowed me to um, retire last year. So I am no longer an attorney. I run my business full time. So it, wow. it's been a really, really great experience. Congratulations. Um, That's so cool. That is so cool. Amazing. Yeah. Um, do you want to share your favorite quote? Yes. Um, so like I said, I'm Brazilian. So my favorite author is Paulo Coelho. A lot of people probably know him. And my favorite book is The Alchemist, because Mm -hmm. it's all about, you know, following your destiny. And there's a quote there that I'm probably not going to say it exactly word for word. But the idea is, you know, when you follow your destiny, the universe conspires in your favor. And I really feel that right. Like when you're really aligned with what you're supposed to be doing, doors like suddenly start opening for you. Um, Whereas when you're going against your destiny, it just feels like everything is like a struggle. Right. So I really, I've really felt that recently. Yes. I love that book. It's been a long time since I've read it, but that always, uh, that message has always really stuck with me. And I think it's, it's so true. 
So <laughs> you were talking about how when you got into pursuing this full time that uh, a lot of people on social media were like, wait, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. What is maybe one of the most common misconceptions around money or investing or, you know, things that are popping up for you on social media? Yeah, I think people are just unaware of how the stock market is supposed to work, right? And we're seeing that right now because the market has been down and people are fully panicked um, because they went into it during a time when we were hitting all-time highs, right? Every day the market was like, new record, new record. Yes, yes, yes. Money, you get money. Everybody gets money. Yeah. And it's been like that for the last like 10 years. So all of a sudden to come into it, um, and then have a market that's down has really thrown people off. And I think the biggest misconception is thinking that the market only goes up and that when it's down, that means that something is terribly, terribly wrong, that you need to take all your money out and go hide with your cash, right? Um, when in fact, it's actually very cyclical. It's literally very, very cyclical that this is very normal, and it's expected. And if the market only went up, we would never get a breather in the market. It would not function the way that it's supposed to function. So I try to, as much as possible, teach people about the cycles and the history of the stock market so that they can see that this isn't like some failing, right? Like everybody thinks like, oh my God, something's broken. Like I knew it. And then that's like that confirmation bias. Like I knew this wasn't going to work. And then this happened and then they're like, yeah, I'm going to pull all my money out. So I'm really trying to fight against that mentality and showing people this has happened before. It will happen again. And it's actually a great opportunity if you reframe it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're looking forward to the the uptick. Yeah. What I tell people is like, imagine going to your favorite store and all of a sudden the manager's like, Hey, everything's 20% off today. Do you turn it around and walk out? No. Right. right? You're probably like, I'm going to get two of everything in every color. This is right. Right. That's kind of how you're supposed to be thinking about the stock market. Right. You just have to be like, Oh, I was buying all of these investments last year, full price. Well, this year it's 20% off. I should probably double down. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I love that. That's uh, one of the first things my financial advisor told me. She was like, don't freak out when you see the volatility happen because we're not touching this money until, you know, decades from now. And that has been so helpful because if she didn't tell me that from the very beginning, I think I would be a nervous wreck all the time with like what's happening to my money. Um, So that's super helpful. And I'm just curious to know, you mentioned kind of like you had to get over a lot of like your own money, you know, whether mindset, setbacks, things like that. What was the biggest shift in your mindset about building wealth that's really helped you the most? Yeah, I, um, I tweeted this once and it really resonated with a lot of people. And it was nobody told me that becoming debt free and being able to invest required me to like let go of a lot of money trauma right because it really literally means like letting go of your money when all you want to do is hang on to it right i i grew up in a very scarce mindset household where we had very little money which is not uncommon for a lot of people so when i finally did have money i just wanted to hold on to it and i'm like even though i had $150,000 student loans even though i wasn't investing that much Uh, My net worth was barely moving, even with me making six figures as an attorney, because I was just holding on to money and hoarding it 
like in a checking account of all places, right? Um, so you do not build wealth from a place of fear. You cannot. And so being able to overcome your fear so you can actually let your money go, go into the system and do what it needs to do to grow and multiply, that actually takes a lot of courage and it takes you healing a lot of like tr money trauma. So until I really overcame that money trauma, I really wasn't able to get my money to grow. So the first thing I tell people is like your psychology, I can teach you how to like open a Roth IRA all day long, but if you can't overcome your own psychology, I, it's completely useless information, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people forget that people forget how much emotion and like childhood trauma stuff, things that have happened in your home, examples that you have seen around you, you forget how much you take that into adulthood. Um, but it really, I, I don't think we always equate physical money and emotion because it seems like those two things wouldn't be correlated the way that maybe like romantic relationships and childhood trauma money seems like, oh, well there it's not emotional. It's just money, but it really, no. people have a lot to work through. And I'm in the same kind of boat you're talking about right now, where I'm just now starting to, um, like have a financial advisor and talk about things like IRAs and things that I've just avoided thinking about because they seemed so scary to me. And it is scary, but talking to you even today is really helping give me more courage to know that like, this is the next right step to take. And it's, I don't want people to be like robots. I'm like, oh, you're not allowed to have emotions about your money. You're absolutely allowed to be emotional about your money. If anything, you need to be more aware of what it is that's triggering you yeah. so that you can put parameters around that, right? So that you can make plans to deal with that. Um, but it's like to say that, you know, emotion doesn't impact money is it's like saying money isn't political, which we all know it is. And so money touches every aspect of our lives. And we create a lot of our money mindset, like by the time we're seven or eight years old, it's very early on that you pick up on how your parents deal with money. And therefore that's how you're going to deal with money. So deconstructing that when you're older takes a lot of work. Yes. Or the, you adopt the polar opposite, but to a negative extreme. If you see that your parents spent money to frequently got themselves into trouble, then you do kind of get into that scarcity spot of hoarding where you're, you're like, well, I've got this and I'm not going to be that. So. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the direction I went. Right. And yeah. so I was like, um, you know, first I was frugal because I was broke. So it wasn't by <laughs> choice. Right. Sometimes you're frugal because you have no choice. Um, and I had many years of that. But then even after I started making more money, the frugality like stuck because yeah. I didn't know how to be anything else. And <laughs> I didn't want to end up like somebody who, you know, like had good, a good income and wasn't enjoying my life. Like there's a balance to everything. Like we have to plan for the future, but we want to live in the present too. So um, mm -hmm. even teaching yourself how to properly spend money is a skill. Yeah. And to be okay treating yourself if like you are in a position where you can do that. And like you said, enjoying it because also it's like, well, what are you even working for if you can't sometimes spend it and enjoy it? Exactly. Um, it's funny because, you know, whenever I get a question of like, oh, should I spend money? How much money should I spend on this? Right. Like somebody will ask me, how much money should I spend on 
housing or a car or whatever, the first question to back to them is, well, like, why should, why shouldn't you, right? Like, why shouldn't you spend a hundred percent of your paycheck? Like, isn't that, you worked a hundred percent for your money. Why shouldn't you just spend all of it? There needs to be like a better carrot for me to want to save and invest. So yeah. what is that better carrot, right? So for me, it's like, oh, do you care about maintaining the lifestyle that you have today into the future? Like, do you like the life that you're building? Do you want to maintain it even if you stop working someday? Okay, then let's make sure that that's taken care of. As long as that part's taken care of, then you're free to spend the rest of your money however you see fit. You know, like some yeah. people will value different things. Like I love, I'm a homebody. I love being home. God, I love being home. So for me, spending money on my home is always going to be a priority over something else. I do not care about a car. I drive a used Nissan that I do not care about at all. Yeah. Right. And then some people be like, no, I love a car. And I'm never going to judge anybody based on whatever they want to spend their money on. As long as that future self is taken care of, you can do whatever you want with your money. Oh, it's so good. As long as your future self is taken care of, that's such a good, it's so important. Yeah. It's such a, it's such an easy indicator of like where your values lies, like how you're spending your money. And sometimes you realize, oh, wait a minute, my, I'm saying my values are this, but I'm spending my money in all these different areas. Um, you mentioned early retirement, which is so cool. That is a big goal that I have. And I would love for that to happen in the next, I don't know, decade or more. Um, can you share like the steps that you took and the intention, the intention behind, like, yeah, what did you do to retire at this age? Yeah, so two things, right? And I'm always super transparent about it. One is investing, right? And actually three things, so let me be, leave them back it up. So obviously I got a very formal education. I went the formal route. I went to college, I went to law school. I had a six-figure career that helped me to pay off six figures of student loans. Um, I saved and I invested. And I started a business like those three things, you know, came together and created the opportunity for me to be able to, I, I call myself like semi-retired because I'm still running my business. Right. Uh, one day I'll pull the plug on everything and you guys will never see me again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I was able to do that because I started at 28 years old, you know, investing and building that nest egg. And now that's going to continue to grow. And it's given me the security that I'm at right now. And so a lot of people are like, oh, that's nice. But I don't, you know, I don't want to go the entrepreneur route. I really like my job. I want to stay where I am. I like what I do. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's really obnoxious when people are like, you know, the only way to be build wealth is X, Y, and Z. No, that is absolutely not true. You can still build wealth in a nine to five. You do not need to become an entrepreneur. Um, it's just, you know, it might take you a little longer. It, it, you'll have to be more patient, but who cares if you're really happy at what you do, that's perfectly fine. So I, I will say though, like my business accelerated that timeline, which is very nice. Um, I was on track to be fully retired by like 45, no matter what, even at my full-time job. So I can now retire, you know, a little earlier than that, thanks to my business. And not only for myself, but I can also retire my mom, which is great. Wow. So, that, yeah. That's really the fact, amazing. The fact that I can retire two people now is really like, amazing to me because I never thought that I'd be able to like retire us both. Um, but the idea is 
investing consistently, living below your means. So even when I started making more money, I never inflated my lifestyle all the way up to what I was making, which is easier said than done. But it really is like what you have to do because you could be making multiple six figures. And if you're spending multiple six figures, your right. network is not budging. Nothing's nothing's changing. You're like, right. you know, you're you're on the hamster wheel still. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What are your favorite types of investments? Like what's your portfolio look like? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, yeah. it's all mostly index funds, right? Very exciting. Um, mostly index funds and ETFs. What are index funds and ETFs? They're basically um, a huge basket of all the stocks that are available on the U.S. stock market. So instead of me saying, ooh, here's a hot stock tip by this company or that company, which is extremely risky, for anyone, because one company can always go bankrupt and go to zero and go out of business or whatever. But for the entire stock market to go to zero is highly unlikely. It's never happened, first of all. And for that to happen, we would have to be like in a zombie apocalypse, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, <laughs> something has like fundamentally gone wrong in the system, more than like what happened in the 2008 crisis. Like imagine how bad that was. It would have to be even worse. Yeah. And it would be so bad that you wouldn't even be able to go to the get money out of your savings account like you wouldn't be able to use your credit card right like everybody would imagine like ev all of those companies are publicly traded companies right visa right. they're all publicly traded companies Am american express if all of a sudden they all go to zero you can't access your money right so that's on so at that point money is not going to be an issue anymore we're all going to be bartering for like water and food on the street <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Taking yeah. all my beanie babies out of the storage unit, seeing what I can get. <laughs> right. So in order to be like an investor, you have to be an optimist, right? You have to be an optimist. So usually um, I think it was Michael Housel who said um, a fantastic book, highly recommended um, psychology of money. He says, you have to be a pessimist in order to save and an optimist in order to invest. And that's like perfect, uh, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. Perfect. And you have to balance the two, the optimist and the, and the pessimist. So if you believe that the U.S. economy is going to continue to thrive and innovate and grow, then you should be investing in it, right? That doesn't mean that it's always going to go up, but that means that over time it will. Yes. That's how you should be thinking about it. If you don't believe that for whatever reason, then I don't see how you can be an investor, right? Oh, great. Makes so much sense. Are you able to simplify? If somebody's tuning in, they're like, I don't know what the fuck a stock market really even is or what it right. means. Is there a simple way that you can explain the stock market to somebody? Sure. So the one, the, the analogy that I constantly use is like, think about the stock market literally like a flea market, right? It's just a market where people are selling stuff and people are buying stuff. So companies are there selling little pieces of their company and you're there to buy pieces of their company. So people are buying and selling back and forth. So I tell people, you can buy a little trinket at a flea market, take it home and be like, holy cow, this is like an antique that's worth thousands of dollars. Look at all this money that I made. Fantastic. That could be like you buying an Apple, you know, a share of Apple 10 years ago and it now blowing up to what it is, right? Fantastic. But it can also go the other route where you see something at the flea market and you're like, oh, I think this is I think this is valuable and they don't know it. So I'm going to offer them a hundred bucks, take it home. You get it appraised and they're like, yeah, this is a total knockoff. It's worth like a penny. Like, you know, you just lost a hundred bucks. That same thing can happen with a, a company, right? You think it's going to be really valuable. You think it's going to be the next Apple. And it turns out it's completely useless and it goes bankrupt. So the stock market is, is all about that. So instead of me betting 
on which companies I think are going to be the apples or like the ones that, you know, don't do so well. I just buy everything. Right. And that's where the index fund comes in. So I'm betting on the entire U.S. economy instead of trying to handpick which ones I think are going to be the best ones, because most people can't do that. Right. Even the pros are really, really bad at picking stocks like terrible. And yet they keep doing it because, you know, greed really drives a lot of the systems that are in place. So if everybody just bought index funds, who knows what that what that would look like? But it's mo it's only like maybe 10 to 15 percent of people who invest actually buy index funds. Right. Um, so the stock market is just like a market is what I tell people. And there's going to be good markets and bad markets. So you just have to be used to like both environments. Okay. I love it's, that. Yeah. That analogy is so great. And it also makes me picture playing roulette where like I always bet on either red or black or like right. even or odd. I never really do the whole like individual one dips on individual numbers, which like, yeah, if that happens, of course, that's a really huge payout, but the chances of that are so much smaller. Whereas it sounds like the index funds is kind of like betting on even or odd, right? You're grouping yes. a much larger amount into one. Yes. I love that analogy. That's a really great analogy. Oh, well, yes. thanks. It's just what I <laughs> just came to mind. I don't gamble very often, but it did like yeah. that was what I pictured. So, because I no, that's always... funny. That's exactly when I play roulette. That's exactly what I do. It's like the table is broken up into thirds. Yes. So I usually do like first third and and like second third, right? And then yes. I'm like, oh, now there's sixty six percent chance that I'll get one of these right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same. It's. I, this is my first time hearing about index funds and stuff like that. And so um, thank you for breaking them down because um, I mean, if our listeners are like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck any of this is. Just know listeners, I, this, I'm also new to all of this. You're not alone. <laughs> I love it. And it's like, also, I want to make sure that I tell people that this is not something that I created. <laughs> I didn't invent this. Um, it's been around for decades because I don't do like fad or trendy investments, right? I am an attorney, I'm risk averse. Um, but I, I work hard for my money. I'm sure all everybody here does all of your listeners work hard for their money. So I'm not just going to gamble away my money. And so is there risk in investing? Absolutely, even with index funds, but it's a much more calculated risk that you can re you can reduce that risk a lot, lot more with index funds than if you were to do individual stock picking. Yeah. So I'll take those odds, right? Like, mm -hmm. no, there's nothing in life that, that comes risk-free. Even, even a job, you take a job, there's going to be risk at that job. Like you yeah. can lose it, you get fired, you know, you can hate it. There's risk in everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. If somebody is like really overwhelmed by the amount of debt they have, how can they like pay off their debt but also build wealth at the same time? Or do you recommend one first and then the other? What's your perspective on that? I love this because apparently my opinion is like controversial in the personal finance space because I'm all about paying off debt while investing because many people, for instance, have student loans that are going to take them a long, long time to pay off. Right. So imagine telling somebody who's going to, who is going to have student loans, it's going to take them 10 to 15 years to pay off and being like, you don't have access to investing until you've paid those things off. That's 10 years out of the market. That's a lot of time. Right. And that's probably somebody in their twenties and thirties, the best years for them to be investing. So I think it's almost, you know, um, unconscionable to tell somebody don't invest while you're paying off debt. I understand with credit cards, right? Then it's like a little bit different because now we're talking about a much higher interest rate. But even with credit cards, if you're being offered a match at work, right? If you're being offered what's called a 401k, which is an investment account through your job, and your employer is offering to match the amount of money that you put in there, I would say get that match, even if you are paying off credit cards, because that's literally free money, right? Yeah. Do not ever leave free money on the table. And I like using the term free money because it, it perks people up. They're like, what? But also it's not free money because it's actually part of your compensation plan. Like, trust me when I tell you that when your employer offered you your salary, they took into account, okay, if this person signs up for the 401k, this is how much more money we're going to have to be paying them. They take that into account. So that's part of your compensation. Don't leave it behind. Yeah. Yeah. That mm -hmm. totally makes sense. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about IRAs? Because that's something I'm trying to get into in my life, but I still feel very lost on even what it is. And I need like an IRA for dummies conversation. Yes. I love that. Okay. So the first thing is like, most people don't even realize that there are multiple types of accounts, right? So I just mentioned one, the 401k, which is offered through your job. That's one account. And then there's the IRA, which is literally stands for individual retirement account that you can go and open on your own, right? You go to an online broker, like a Vanguard or a Fidelity or Charles Schwab, and you can open an account. Um, and you can start buying your own index funds through that account. So um, usually what's recommended is the younger you are, it makes sense to get a Roth IRA because then you put money in there, you buy your index funds and your ETFs, and the money grows tax-free, right? Which is fantastic. I'm like, oh, tax-free, who doesn't want that? Well, the IRS is like, yeah, it's so good. We're going to put a cap on it. So you can only put $6,000 into it per year. It recently is um, got increased to 6500 but they put a cap on it because it's really that good, right? They don't want right. people growing their money tax-free. They want to tax money. So it's a fantastic account that everybody should be aware of, that everybody should try to open. Um, and the biggest mistake that I see with IRAs is, oh, they think an IRA is the investment. Oh, I open an IRA, I'm investing. And I'm like, no, no, no. The IRA is the account 
that holds your investments. So you have to then put the money in it and then go buy whatever you want. You can buy individual stocks, you can buy bonds, you can buy index funds, ETFs, you can buy whatever you want inside of it, right? So that's the, the major, major mistake that I see with IRAs is people putting money in that account and then letting it sit. And it's like, hey, my IRA isn't growing. 10 years goes by. They're like, hey, my IRA hasn't grown. I'm like, oh my God, you never invested it. You never bought anything. It's so almost like a checking account. It's just like yeah. a different type of account. Exactly. Okay. So like big, big step that you don't want to miss. Okay. Um. What is a SEP IRA? So a SEP IRA is for business owners, right? So if you have your own business, you're an entrepreneur, then you can put a, you can open either a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. And that contribution amount is much, much higher depending on how much money your business has made. So this year, the limit is $61,000, right? So it all depends on how much money your company's made, how much you're paying yourself. So a CPA can help you um, give you that exact amount. Okay. Um, what most business owners do is they wait until like they're about to file their taxes and then they ask their CPA, Oh, how much can I put in this account? And then they kind of do a lump sum dump into it, but you can also invest like throughout the year. Okay. And that is also a situation where it's like, you're putting the money in and then you're going and buying stocks. Yes. investing. Okay. Yes. All the accounts work that way, like a 401k. A lot of people don't see this mechanic happening when they're at work at the 401k because the employer picks the investment for you. So you think, oh, it's coming out of my paycheck. It's going to the account. That's it. And I'm like, you're not seeing the extra step of the investment being purchased, but it's there. God, why is this not like, this should be mandatory in like high school. This should be taught to us. I mean, this is- I can't believe I'm 33 and just now starting to like get remotely a grasp on this. I was just going to say, I get trolled so hard on TikTok (laughs) um, for teaching this stuff because so, so many men who are like, who doesn't know this stuff? Like, oh, duh, Captain Obvious. Like I literally get trolled every day and I'm like, dude, no, most people don't know this stuff and how obnoxious of you to come in here and like crap on somebody who's trying to educate, you know, it's, it's yeah. so frustrating. Like I have to remember conversations like the one we're having now because to remind myself that this isn't still very much needed. Oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm being gaslit into believing like, does everybody know this stuff? And I, no, and I not. we're so <laughs> uneducated in this. I will sacrifice myself in your comment section. I will be like, <laughs> like the idiot in town square. That's like, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't yes. understand. I need her help. So fucking yeah. let her talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> you're drowning. I was going to say, I have, I learned about the stock market when I was in elementary school. Cause we had to do like a school project and we had to like once a week, look at stuff. Didn't learn shit since then. And then at like 30, I got like some of my stuff together, but I just feel like women are just kind of left out of this conversation as a whole. And it doesn't surprise me that like a dude was trolling your account and like, doesn't everybody know this? Cause it's like, we're, we're not really taught to like take, you know, do this type of stuff. And people kind of like, don't give us a heads up anything to say about that. Absolutely. I talk about it a lot on Instagram. The misogyny in the financial industry is very real. Like it's very, very yeah. real. 
I there are literally men out there who post the same stuff I do and their comment section doesn't look anything like mine. They're like, oh, this is great. Do, do, do. Thanks for letting us know, dude. Blah, blah, blah. Great knowledge. And then I'll post about it and they'll be like, you know, trolling me. Oh, this is so dumb. Like everybody or or this isn't true. This is a scam. Like, she, you know, this isn't true and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just because you don't understand something doesn't make it not true, you know? Right. And I, it's just, it's exhausting. And I, you know, every time I go to a, a, like a party, house party or whatever, I always watch the dynamics in the room. Naturally, you're going to see men and women kind of shift into little cliques. So I will hang out with the dudes and be like, just listening. They're always talking about crypto and investing and money and something having related to do with money. And the women are talking about other stuff, you know, whatever, dating, a show they're watching, a book they're reading. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love talking about all those things, but I can see how like we're being socialized to, to talk about certain things, right? So I'm trying to mix it up. I'm like, ladies, let's talk about the money. Like every time I meet a new, a new woman, I... I somehow it comes up because naturally people ask me, what do you do? And then I say, I'm a money coach. And then I just launch into my elevator speech. But I, <laughs> my goal is to be like every woman that I interact with to just try to, you know, expose her to at least one new idea. Because if that had, if, if somebody had done that for me 10 years ago, who knows where my net worth would be today? Who knows what my life would look like? Like literally no one ever talked to me about this stuff. And I was working as an attorney in New York City, the mecca of the financial industry, literally like three subway stops away from the stock market. Oh no one God. talked to me about the stuff. Crazy. Yeah. Oh it's like, and then what hope do the rest of us have? If like that's your experience, <laughs> I'm out I here being a clown, you know? In three years though, like I'm, I'm so happy because so much of the landscape has changed. There's so much more information out now, you know, yeah. um, more than there was when I even started um, looking into this stuff three, four years ago. So I'm really, really happy to see that. So my hope is that the wealth gap, uh, the investing gap between men and women will start to close because it's about 71% of men invest, 54% of women are investing. I want to like close that gap because yeah. when we do invest, we're actually really great. We actually beat the men. We're better at it. Of course we do. <laughs> Come on. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Oh my God. I will say we have a lot of wonderful male listeners yes, here. Yes, of course. This is not meant to know. <laughs> you. No, we're not going to bash on anything. I'm just trying to tell women that like you are worthy of being in the space just as much as they are. You know, there is, and they haven't been welcomed into this space. That's why they feel this way. That's why they feel apprehensive. It's been a very hostile space for us, you know? So I see it as my job to kind of you know, bring down all the gatekeeping and all like the Finbro, you know, environment yeah. to create a safe space for women to ask questions and exactly the kind of stuff you're asking me, you know, without being, um, without having somebody roll their eyes at them or, you know, call them names or something. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah we're, we're just as capable. We got this. Um, I have a question. So if let's say, you know, um, somebody's got their, their Roths and their SEP and that that's all kind of figured out, what would be like the next investment step? Like, I don't know what, where I'm going next, whether it's like a rental property, like real estate or more investments or like, can you speak to what would be next? Yeah. I think that that's really personal to you. 
some people really gravitate towards real estate, right? Like they love it. They like the, the thrill of looking for the property and they don't, you know, they're a people person, so they don't mind being a landlord or they'll hire a property management company, but they're interested in the topic and it makes sense for them. I am the complete opposite. Okay. Like I don't even like hanging up a picture on my wall. Like I am not a <laughs> GTV. I am not property oriented. I, you know, I'm a city girl. I grew up in New York. You know, I, I lived in New York city for 15 years. Wow. So for me, it's like, I've, I'm still a renter to this day. Um, so the idea of becoming like a landlord or house hacking or doing any of that stuff, it's just not for me. Like it is yeah. not for me. So I went the route of, I'm going to open now a brokerage account, which is like the third layer, right? Which has, it's not a retirement account, but you can use it as however you want. But this account has like no restrictions. You can put in as much money as you want. You can take it out whenever you want. And it even has its own tax bracket that is lower than the other retirement accounts. So lots of goodies in the brokerage account. Um, so I went that route. I'm like, I'm just going to go all in on the stock market. That's what I'm going to be doing. Um, but there is, again, not that that's like the only way. If you feel an affinity towards real estate and you are like, I want to be a real estate investor, go for it. Like explore it. There's nothing wrong with having like a, a diversified portfolio. Hey, I have some money in the stock market. I have some money in real estate. There's nothing wrong with that. Just find like what works for you and do your research. Oh, um, I love that so much because I, I just know. keep hearing like real estate's got to be next. It's got to, and it's like so overwhelming because like I yeah. don't, I don't want to really own stuff, <laughs> but I love the fact that you can kind of opt out of that if you diversify it in other ways. So that was like, that's super helpful for me. Thank you. For yeah. And I'll say also, even in your index funds, there's something called REITs. So real estate investment trust. So you can invest through real estate through the stock market. Right. So if you really do want to own pieces of property without owning property, wow. you can also do that through the stock market. So there are ways to like tap into real estate without actually owning physical property. There's also like syndications. So, it, you know, we can get into the whole topic, but there's lots and lots of ways to tap into real estate without actually being a landlord. Ooh, I love it. Delicious. Yeah, that's so awesome. great. Um, can you speak on compound interest at all? That's something that, um, I have a friend who's like really been advocating for me to do that for a while. And I don't, I'm like, I've watched YouTube videos. I understand the concept mostly of it, but I don't know like where that fits. If that's like part of a Roth IRA or, or any of that. Right. So again, if you could yeah. explain it in dummy terms. Yeah. So everything that we've been talking about investing it is compound interest, okay. right? That's what it is. It's all like, that's the concept that underlays investing. Like, why would, why would I invest if I could just put money in a savings account? Why am I going to put my money in something risky if I can just put it in a, in a, in a savings account? Oh, because the investment compounds, right? Okay. So that means that you earn money in the stock market two ways. The stock, the share price goes up, right? That's one way. And then the other way is, oh, we're doing so well that not only did our stock price go up, but we're going to pay you a little bonus for you owning the stock. So that's called a dividend, right? So then you reinvest that dividend. You don't go and take it and go spend it, right? You're like, oh, can you can I please buy more shares with that dividend, that little bonus you just paid me, please and thank you. So then now you've got your share prices going up. You've got your dividends that are being paid to you. All of that together is technically, you know, we say it's compounding, but 
it's anyway, I don't want to get too technical with the math, but the idea is that the stock market over time grows at like an eight to 10% average um, year over year, right? And you got to think about this as like the GPA of the stock market. So some years, the stock market is going to be slacking off and not doing so great, um, like it's doing this year, and it's not going to get a great grade. But then if you look at 2021 and 2020, it like knocked it out of the park, right? The stock market returned 16% in 2020 and then 27% in 2021. And you're like, whoa, that's way above this 8 to 10% that you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, because remember, it's the average over time. So now it's like college, right? You take your four years and then what's your GPA? Boom, that's the GPA. So that eight to 10% means that like your money is earning interest and then the interest is earning interest. And then the interest is earning interest on interest. And it just starts like creating like this booming effect, right? And where you really see compound interest like take off is once you've hit $100,000. So I always tell people run, towards this goal of having $100,000 in your investment accounts. And it doesn't have to be all in one account. It can be over many accounts. Try to get to 100,000 as fast as possible because that's where you're really gonna start seeing that compounding effect, effect take off. So everything that we're talking about investing here is tied to compound interest. So it's not something separate. Like, okay. oh, do I need something else to yeah. get to compound? No, it's baked into the stock market. Right, and that's why you and so many other people emphasize the importance of starting to invest as young as possible, because the more years you have of that effect happening, the more money you're going to make. Yes. So the idea is that like, there's a rule of 72. So your money doubles depending on how well the stock market's doing. So if it's doing around 10%, it's supposed to double like every seven years. So your money should be doubling every seven years right? The market is performing the way it is. You're never going to get that kind of compounding, that kind of growth in a savings account. You're never, your money's not going to magically double like in a savings account. It's just, it's, it would right. take forever. Right. Um, so that's why we invest. Okay. Mm, wow. Got it. So what would you do differently if you can go back in time and you can start investing at the age that you'd want to invest in and do all the things quote unquote, right. Or whatever, what would you do? Yeah, no, I definitely, and this is the one thing, whenever anybody like the light switch clicks and they're like, ooh, investing is definitely something I should be doing. The next thought is, damn, I should have started way earlier, right? Like mm -hmm. that is the immediate reaction. Like, oh my God, if I had just started this earlier. So yeah, of course, I wish I would have started as soon as I was like 19. I was working full time as a 19 year old, but I say that, but I was making very little money. Like, you know, I was making $20,000 a year um, before taxes. So even if, you know, Tony Robbins himself had descended from the heavens and told me <laughs> everything there is to say about, you know, money, I would have been like, thank you very much, Tony, but I don't have any money. Right. Mm. I don't have it. Like I literally am living paycheck to paycheck. Ain't going to happen. And a lot of people are in that situation today. Right. So I don't ever tell everybody like, no matter what you should be investing. Like people are literally living like hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. So I understand that. But if you're not, if you've been able to escape the paycheck to paycheck cycle, hopefully you are trying to work towards the goal of investing because that's the only way that you're ever going to be able to one day sit back and be like, I'm tired. I want to either work less, right? You don't even have to retire. You can just be like, I don't want to work 40 hours a week. I want to work 20 hours a week. 
The way that you can do that is if you have some money invested and saved up so that you can do that, right? So I always tell people, um, start as soon as you can, be consistent, and just think about it as your, it's for your future self, right? You really have to picture that person 10, 20, 30 years from now and talk to them and be like, I'm doing this for you, right? And I think people really struggle with that, with seeing their future self as like a real person because we're like so in the moment, right? Uh, yeah, mm. yeah, <laughs> so true. Why is it important? Like I, I'm somebody, this, I'm guilty of this. I have a really great finance team. I have really great um, financial advisor. And I kind of think, okay, cool. They got it covered. I can opt out of this. Ah. <laughs> but why is it important? Even if you have a great team in place, why is it important to like deeply understand all of this and like educate yourself? And what gaps could I be filling in my own education that might like support that process that's happening? Yeah. I mean, I, hopefully you learned something here, even from this conversation that we've oh, had yeah. today. And oh, I, tons. the next, yeah. So the next time you guys talk to your financial advisor, I'm so curious to hear, because this is always what I hear is, oh my God, I just finished, you know, taking your class or taking your course. I just, I just talked to my financial advisor and they were so impressed with the amount of information that I had and all the questions I was asking. And they were more willing to tell me like more information than before, because they don't have the time y'all to sit there and like teach you this stuff. Like what we just did right now, they do not have the time to do that. They don't have the time to sit here and define index funds and 401k. Like they'll do it if you ask, but they're not going to volunteer that information. So if you don't even know what you don't know, how are you going to ask these questions? Right. How are you even going to start the conversation? They're just going to tell you what they think you need to hear. And then they're going to move on to the next person. So you have to take control of your own education, right? Even if you're hiring somebody, that's step one. Step two is you got to do it to protect yourself from fraud and mismanagement. How do you know that this person is actually doing what they're saying? If you don't, if you can't double check what they're doing, how do you know, right? Like there's so many instances of fraud in the financial industry. Are we, are we at all shocked by this? No, not at all. This is why a lot of people don't invest because they know that this stuff goes on. So you have to be able to understand um, what's going on. It's like hiring an employee and never and not knowing if they're actually doing the job that they're doing because you don't even understand it. Like, how can you properly supervise somebody if you don't know what they're doing, right? It's your money. Like, nobody's going to care about it more than you. And three, you're paying a lot of fees, right? You're paying this person. You think not a lot of money, probably 1%. And you're like, it's 1%. What's the big deal? <laughs> that 1%. That 1% also compounds, just like your money in your investment account compounds, that 1% compounds to them. So they are making actually hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees off of you that you actually wouldn't need to pay if you managed it yourself, just buying index funds, right? So I always tell people financial advisors have a place. They don't need to be the people who buy your investments. You can, are totally capable of learning this stuff and doing it yourself and saving hundreds of thousands of dollars over the long term. A financial advisor is more like, oh, I need an estate plan put in place, or I'm so close to retirement now, it's time for me to start withdrawing. Can you help me put together a, pl a plan for me to be tax optimized so I can do that? But when you're at the very beginning stages, wealth building stage, where you're literally like, I'm just getting started, I'm buying some index funds. You don't need a financial um, advisor for that, right? You, you can totally handle that on your own and save yourself a lot of money. That's so great.
this whole time I've been yeah. thinking like, oh my God, when this episode comes out, we just have to really emphasize to people that this is like, I think one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded in yeah. like the oh. over five years of the show. Truly. Yeah. Like I just, wow. Required I, listening. It is. It's required <laughs> listening. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it has to be listened to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, the more people we reach, you know, the more lives we can change. And it's like, I don't say that lightly. Like I've yeah. had people come to me and like, not only are you changing my life, you're changing my children's lives. Yeah. I'm like I'm investing for them or I'm teaching them this stuff. Like we're literally breaking the cycle because of the stuff that, that we're learning. And, yeah. and that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Delianne, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you like is a must for people to know? I just think, um, you know, I know that the market looks crazy right now. So everybody's freaking out and panicked. I just want to, again, reassure everybody that this is completely normal, um, that I'm in it with you too. I have money in the stock market too. So I wouldn't have done it and put my own money in there if I didn't believe that this long-term wasn't the right decision. Um, and that my big, my best advice to you is to automate your investments. Don't look at your accounts stop reading everything that's going on in the news, like literally just go live your life. Because this could be the case for the next 12 to 18 months. Do you want to be panicking like for the next 12 to 18 months? That's, that's, it's not worth it to live life like that. I tell people investing is a privilege. It's a privilege. And so you should feel good about it. You should feel good that you're planning for your future. If you are losing sleep at night over investing, you're not doing it right. Like if anything, it should be making you feel more secure, not less. So, you know, learn more about it, gather as much knowledge as you can. So you can get to that place where you feel secure because you're making the right decision. I want you to feel like you're making the right decision. I want you to enjoy the privilege that you're exercising. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where I hope everybody can get to is that point. Yeah. Amazing. And where can people find you and your work and all that good stuff? Yes. Well, I live on the gram. So, you know, typical millennial. <laughs> I am on Instagram uh, at Deli and the Money Coach. I'm also on TikTok. Um, so you can come find me there. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so thank much. You, yeah. Thank you so, so much. much. Wonderful. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I feel like this episode couldn't have come at a better time. At least for me, I'm just now starting to like make some changes in my, in my finances and trying to understand it more. And she just was the best. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I had so many, yeah. So many questions that got answered from that. I feel like I, I had just like a really nice personal conversation with like a a top notch professional. So yeah, it was so great. Yeah. Um, we have an iTunes review of the episode. This is from CRD08. Uh, they say, great. It's like chatting with friends. Oh, thank you. Uh, and gosh, I felt like, I mean, we just met Delianne over Zoom today, but I felt like yeah. we were chatting with her as a friend and, and you know, we just met her. But uh, yeah. we're so happy to hear that that's how the show makes you guys feel too. Thank you for taking a second to leave an iTunes rating and review. And uh, do you have a segment, Del? Um, I do. Uh, let's see. I have a, have a good shit moment. Um, so my family and I started this tradition during the pandemic when we were all losing our fucking minds. And, um, it was like, I don't know, summer, midsummer. And, um, we decided to have like Christmas, like a Christmas party in July or something. And we mm-hmm. called it Fishmas because my last name is Fisher. Okay. Fishmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've been doing this like three years in a row. And so I just did that, uh, with my family and we, 
we all dress up with a stupid theme and we do a secret Santa gift exchange. And um, so, yeah, we just did that. And it was just so fun and silly. And like, man, I really like, honestly, I like, uh, I like the weird traditions that, you know, um, you know, my family seems to like make up or Cam and I have probably more than like the mainstream ones. So I I just really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's it for me. I love that. I love that. It's also (laughs) a nice reminder that we can all create our own, traditions and holidays you don't always have to follow like the the ones on the calendar so exactly yeah it's I love awesome. it we listen to Christmas music and everything I mean we are dumb <laughs> oh you really go for it we really go for it sometimes you we go. put the tree up it just depends <laughs> oh my god I love it oh that's so fun that's great um so I have a uh, I have a good shit as well slash I guess kind of a treat yourself but um I just started doing this thing called Rolfing, R-O-L-F-I-N-G. So it's basically, it's kind of like a combination of physical therapy and deep tissue massage, Mm -hmm. but it's working to like really, really fix any problems with your tissue on a much deeper level than just any one thing I've been doing. So I, I go to acupuncture usually once a week. Um, I see a craniosacral therapist and, uh, I try to get massages when I can. And those are all really helpful pieces of the puzzle of trying to fix the things that are wrong with my body. So I know I've mentioned on here before that I really struggle with TMJ. So I clench my jaw at night and because I travel so much, I have basically chronic tension in my neck and shoulders and back, like things just because of my lifestyle, they have a really hard time ever fully relaxing and staying relaxed. So unfortunately they've kind of structurally created problems in my body. And, uh, I don't know if you were like me, but I definitely did the, the thing in middle school where I would only wear my backpack over one shoulder and carry like a super, super heavy backpack. And it fucked up my, I mean, I was like tiny and your bones are still growing and moving and all this shit. And I met my right shoulder is significantly lower than my left. And it curves forward as well because I tend to sleep on my right side. So this is to say that there are all these things and kind of imbalances in my body that then create um, a constant tug of war where things are trying to overcompensate and then tension is created. So Rolfing, some people kind of avoid doing it, even if it would help them because it's, it can be pretty painful. It really is like a very extreme deep tissue massage because they're kind of trying to change part of the structure of your body and get it back to where it needs to be. But um, I really loved my first session. Uh, they recommend doing 10 of them. And so I've got another one tomorrow and I can't wait. And I will definitely keep you guys updated, but so far it feels like it's, um, even after the, after the first one, I was like, okay, this is, I think this is going to help. It's going to help. Oh, me. nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Was it really, really painful or not too bad? There were, there were parts that were definitely, I had to do a lot of deep breathing yeah. It felt like I was getting, you know, like a bikini wax, that sort yeah. of pain of like, okay, just like breathe through it. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's painful, but it's kind of supposed to be yeah, like it, it, it's supposed to be helping, um, in a deeper way. So anyway, that's kind of my update on that. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, nice. all right, guys, head to kelsicook.com, get those tour date tickets for next year. Fabulous. Selenyfisher.com for the minimalist business podcast. Yay.
All right, right, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Share it with a friend. Let people know. I really do feel like the stuff we talked about today um, should be known by by more people. So spread the word. Absolutely. Bye. Bye, guys. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 